2: and welcome to another episode of Stat Me Up for Anfield Index. Ladies and gents, everything's big at the moment, isn't it? There's big games, there's cup finals, there's injury news, there's panic. But there's trophies to be won at the same time. And here, as ever, to aid me with all the stats, test him on his homework, see he's been done. It's the Hungarian hipster as I know him himself, Ben Boxak. Ben, how are we?
3: Yeah, good. Uh, missed you last week. How was how was Lanzarotti?
2: Lanzarotti was good. I, uh, I hope Eddie treated you quite well in my stead.
3: Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a good podcast.
2: Good stuff. Well, Ben, what the Christ have we got a lot to get through in this period. So we've got to talk injuries. We'll talk stats around injuries. We'll don't call it a crisis, but we'll see if we will by the end of this. We'll be talking Brentford and everything that happened on Saturday. We'll be talking these two massive games coming up as well. Luton, which almost feels bigger now, doesn't it? Since the City results somehow, as if it could be any bigger, all these games. And if you want big, well, there's just a small matter of a cup final on Sunday. So we will be running through it. We'll be getting all Ben's insights and stats. And Ben, probably there only seems one place to start and it's the negatives, but we've got to get into it. So the injury news. And- just to be crystal clear on this, people, because I've seen so many misreports. I know, Ben, you've been sort of stung in the tail by this type of thing before as well, people twisting words or not being clear. So let's be crystal clear. If you look at the reports from renowned journalists like Chris Bascom, Paul Joyce, Curtis Jones, Diogo Jota are definitely out of the Carabao Cup final. That is what their reports say. Allison. It's important to say it's not confirmed either way, but it seems to be the suggestion. It's what's inferred, as is mentioned, hopefully back before the international break. So it's natural to infer it's a bit of a gap there. The two to be crystal clear on, because I'm seeing people report all sorts of wild things on this. I'm sure you have, Ben. Darwin Nunes, there was nothing new in their reports, bar the concern that he was obviously substituted on Saturday. Both of those journalists have had nothing new. Both of those journalists do not mention Mohammed Salah in their reports. So seen people go extreme and I get it. People are worried, there's fears. That is based on a, a report from Egypt, but there's nothing in the UK or from renowned UK journalists on that. And Ben's patiently waiting. But I just thought wanted to go through that people. I think it's important to confirm. And I'll timestamp stamp this is nearly half five. On Monday, just in case there is an update and someone says, Dave and Ben, you were lying. So just to be crystal clear on that. I mean, Ben, they're stacking up these injuries. And I almost, uh, it's going to make me sad asking you this question. And when you give me the potential detail, based on the stats and the names, and Christ, Ben, there's a lot of names to consider here as well. Who potentially adds up as the biggest miss? Of this current injury situation,
3: would you say it's a tough one? Because obviously we don't know the extent of Nunez's injury. I might have picked him as number yeah. one, but I'm kind of just going on the assumption that you know he was fine. Jurgen Klopp didn't seem too worried about him in in his sort of post match um, after Brentford. So we're just going to assume he'll be okay. Yeah. Maybe not for Luton, but. Cup final hopefully he'll be all right so that doesn't seem like a long-term one touching wood um so for me like obviously there's some great players in there alison clearly he's been superb this season um and we don't really know when he's going to be back yeah um then you know alexander arnold again he's another one who is a huge loss probably one of the best players in his position, one of the best players, I think, in the Premier League when when he's in form, especially when he's on the ball and he's creating stuff. And he's been so crucial scoring last-minute winners. Yeah. um, Equalizers against Manchester City. Like, he's he's sort of brought out his inner Steven Gerrard at times this season. Uh, But for me, I think the biggest blow is Diego Jota. Like, jota has been phenomenal since salah has been away and the whole reason why i think liverpool have been able to sort of go through this period almost unscathed barring that arsenal game which was terribly unfortunate um was i think because of jota like he became this sort of salah figure almost the the reliable player who scores goals regularly and that's backed up by the numbers as well so he's averaging a goal contribution every 87 minutes in all competitions wow. for liverpool which is just, just the second best for liverpool behind salah who's on crazy numbers at like 76, yeah. which 76 minutes is like what just a little bit below Kylian mbappe and uh victor Jukaresh, who are like averaging around 68 in, in their respective leagues, but obviously that's the Portuguese top flight and the French top flight we're talking Yeah. About. The Premier League and the fact that Salah is doing it in the Premier League is is, is pretty crazy. Um And then Nunez is is just behind Jota as well in 89. So, you know, like those two are basically guaranteeing you a got at least one goal contribution every game. So if all three of them are on the pitch, that's... Well, the numbers would suggest that's yeah. three goal contributions at least mm-hmm. per game, and then I think the reason why Shota is the biggest miss is, um, you know, with Allison Callaher has Kalahes has come in and he's done really well against Brentford. I thought he made some crucial saves. Yeah, uh, with Alexander Arnold, you can have Connor Bradley come in, and and he's done really well. Um, you've also got other players like Salah, for example, and. Dominic Soboslai, who should be back soon, who can sort of mitigate the, the creativity that Liverpool are missing when yeah. I was on the pitch. However, with Jota, I think like the drop-off between Nunez Jota and Salah in terms of their goal contributions is it, quite big. So I think after Nunez, Gakpo is is the fourth most productive Liverpool striker, but he's averaging like over a 100 um so averaging a goal contribution every 100 like 120 or 140 minutes uh, yeah. around that and and Diaz is the same so you know like that's about a 50 60 minute drop off um in, in productivity and that's quite a big gap especially when you're trying to compete for the premier league title and, and all these competitions so for me shot has got to be the biggest loss
1: We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
2: Yeah, the, say the second most productive player in the squad, the second top goal scorer, and like... I know, and Darwin Nunez will have to see like you said but there was that up to stats. see I do my homework as well Ben I know in 2024 that Jota and Nunez are the most productive sort of players in that sense in the Premier League because they're both on nine goal contributions as they call it now isn't it we, with goals and assists so yeah we will have to hope one is good and one is set to be well we'll find out soon enough won't we in that regard so I mean, a lot of this, and people are almost now, like we could do, building an injured 11, we could literally put together that good a team from the players they're injured. It's actually scary. Stats-wise, I'm struggling to remember it, although you may well correct me on this one. Have we had an injury crisis? Anything like this at all?
3: Well, I think... We've been having an injury crisis all season, or it feels like we've been on the brink of it. Last season was pretty bad as well. I think that was a point when, yeah, you know, like half, pretty much half the team was missing as well. So, um I think it's just sort of common nowadays with Liverpool and with all top teams, really. Like, if you look at Brentford, who we faced, they were missing yeah. a lot of players. Um, Chelsea has been missing a lot of players, Tottenham as well. Like, I think the only one who's really gone unscathed is Arsenal. I think their injury crisis has been maybe like one or two players missing. And I've seen their fans moaning online. But yeah, certainly I don't think, you know, I I think given the demands and all the competitions that Liverpool are competing in, it is sort of to be expected that you're going to have players pulling through muscle injuries and obviously with Diogo Jota, that is just really unfortunate. But the intensity that Liverpool play with, that that is, that is something that could happen as well, um, a clash like that. And obviously, um, hopefully the extent of that injury is not too serious. But I think even though Liverpool doesn't have the bigger squad, what Jurgen Klopp has done really well this season is Every single time there's been an injury crisis, or there's been, you know, a key player missing out. Yeah, we've had players come in and and step up, and I do think even though there's a lot of players missing, there's still a lot of quality in the squad, and you know, some players might even surprise us. Like when McAllister was injured, we were worried like who's going to play the number six at that point. Mata Endo hadn't quite proven himself, and then Endo came in in December and know, probably one of the best players. And um, that was the same with Alexander Arnold. And Connor Bradley came in, and got yeah. two assists and scored against Chelsea, and I think certainly silenced everyone. And you know, I I think even against Brentford, we saw Cody Gakpo put in one of his best performances. I think in the Premier League recently, um, you know, getting a goal and an assist and. Gravenberg sort of stepped up as well, so um, we're we're seeing it already, and I think I'm optimistic that you know there's going to be players who will surprise us because it is still a quality squad, and there's a lot of good players in there, and there's also a lot of talent still in the academy who we haven't seen as much of yet, um, yeah, who are doing some really good stuff, and you know this is an opportunity for them. I think, you know, like. For example, Michael Owen would have never gotten an opportunity if Robbie Fowler wasn't injured, and then Owen came right. in, and proved himself, and that was the same with with Gerrard or Carragher as well. You just got to take your chances, and um, yeah, if, if I was a young player, I'd be I'd be looking forward to this time because there's a lot of games, and there's a lot of opportunity to to get medals and then to become a sort of prove yourself in front of the fans and, and become a fan. Yeah.
2: I agree. And, and I don't think they'll start against Luton. I definitely don't think they'll be in the Carabao Cup final team. Squad's probably a stretch, but it would be very little surprise to see a Bobby Clark or a James McConnell get minutes against Luton at some point. I think it'd be very little surprise because of the situations, especially the lack of options in midfield. And speaking of the game that we kind of alluded to there, on a, on Saturday. I mean, great result. It talks about the performance there. One thing I did miss when I was on holiday, I didn't keep an eye or didn't get to see your normal stats that come through about afterwards or during the game, even at half time. So hit us with the headlines. What were the big stat takeaways from Saturday? Apart from the fact we've got 8 million players injured, what were the positive stats from Saturday?
3: Yeah, I think... I tweet actually quite a lot, so you missed out on a lot. Um oh, the tweets. But uh, I think the one that seemed to get everyone's attention was Ryan Gravenberch and the, the standout stat for him was the fact that he won the most jewels in the game for Liverpool, which um, you know he he hasn't done often in a Liverpool show. Yeah. He has been doing it recently, he did it in the, the FA Cup against Norwich as well, and I think the reason why the, his performance, yes, like against Brentford was so impressive is because he came in in the 33rd minute. So, you know, he didn't even play the full 90 and he still mm-hmm. won the most jewels. Um, But I think overall he was, he was really good on the ball as well. So, completed two out of his three attempted dribbles, which was just behind Luis Diaz in terms of completed dribbles for Liverpool. Um, one, two out of his three tackles as well, and I think it was just a more sort of all-round performance that we kind of wanted to see from him. And
2: yeah,
3: yeah, I, 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 I kind of liked his performance. I thought he um, he was a lot better uh, than maybe some of the other games. I don't think he's been bad, or or, or as bad as as fans have been sort of making him out to be alluding
2: so yeah
3: uh, on social media but like i think people also forget that he's only 21 years old he didn't have a proper pre-season with liverpool which i think for midfielders is essential in in jürgen club system and like yeah he's, he's he's not a starter so he can't get a proper rhythm of games mm. um He's playing in and out, coming into Europa League cup games. Uh, it's it's sort of like, you know, Curtis Jones. I think went for a similar phase last season and the, the season before that, where he showed sort of promise here in in certain games, and you know you could see the potential there. Yeah, he was just kind of lacking that consistency, and playing regularly obviously helps. And now Kravenburch could get that chance as well, and. You never know if he gets a run of games, he could ease into things and, and be even better. But I definitely think like his performance is worth highlighting against Brentford because I thought he was uh, one of the better players for Liverpool, for sure.
2: Bob's talked about that before, hasn't he? Rhythm and players having that. He mentions that in a number of press conferences. He even used examples like... Costas Simicast when he first came in after Andy Robbo's injury. It was a bit of a struggle, but he got up to speed. And you kind of get that feeling now with Gravenberg that he is almost, and you should, it's difficult to say, but it's true in simple terms. He's part, if everyone's bit of that second team, isn't he? Like you mentioned, the Europa, the Carabao, the earlier rounds. That's where he's been featuring. However, it did feel like a good step forward. I think the big thing for a lot of fans with Gravenberg has been You've got the talent, as you mentioned, the explosion, the acceleration, good in a tight space. It's sometimes, to be honest, the hard work element, the ugly stuff, the jewels, the things that you need to improve. That's the the one thing that, from a pure stats point of view, people have levelled against him. And quite fairly, when you've looked at the stats, but it did feel like progress going forward, no doubts about it. And we will need to see a lot more from Ryan, you suspect, in the the coming week and further. Mention Diaz as well. Anyone else sort of stand out stats-wise from Saturday? Sounds like I missed quite a few tweets,
4: in all honesty. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes,
3: yeah, so I think it kind of it's become a bit of a cliche or because he does well every single game, but Vitarrendo definitely deserves a mention because he put in another really good performance, completed the most passes, uh, made the most recoveries in midfield and I thought he sort of really stood up to the physical challenge of, of Brentford and never looked out of place. And he's almost becoming sort of like mainstay in the team now. Um, dare I say maybe one of the first names on the team sheets at the moment with given Liverpool's injuries. Um, I also thought like um, the week before him and McAllister maybe didn't quite get on yeah. in, in, in those Two roles with McAllister being more advanced, but in this game, like McAllister sort of eased into it, and he was a lot better going forward. And yeah, they sort of definitely got used to to each other and playing with each other as well, which was good to see. Especially because I think they'll be playing a lot of games now together. Hopefully, there's no more injuries. And uh, for me, yeah. that that kind of works that that system that they have. Maybe in the first game, McAllister sort of had to change his mindset from having that defensive mindset, having, you know, trying to break up opposition attacks, and um, he yeah, he seemed uh, a lot more liberated going forward, and I think Endo as well sort of just settled in really well behind him.
2: Yeah, because they, they did get pillared a bit, didn't they, based on, and again, people talk about sample sizes, which I know we have, they got pillared based on 45 minutes against Burnley, and the fact that that didn't quite work, and then Naturally, the Harvey Elliott sub because Trent comes off and, you know, Jones goes to right back and people write that off completely. But actually, as you say now, Endo and McAllister are senior midfielders. They are going to be absolutely crucial, whether that's part of a, a double pivot in the three. However, they are absolutely essential to what we're doing. And I know you love a bit of Endo propaganda as well. So it was good to get that in at the same time. And moving into this week, Ben, Christ, what a week. I mean... I want to talk to Luton, first of all, because that's as big a game for me as the, the cup final. I don't like when people go, i oh, rather trade one. And you're like, Let, let's look at both of them individually. Lazy analysis would just say, if you watch Luton at a glance, they're the team that punts it forward. So you play our tallest team you possibly can and things like that. That's maybe what a lazy analysis would say. However, you might tell me from a stats perspective, there is credence to that and the the way they play. I mean, Luton threat-wise, what are the stats telling us?
3: I mean, I I'd, I'd love to say you're wrong. I know they play really lovely short passes, yeah, tiki football. But no, they are one of the the most direct teams in the Premier League, and you know, don't I don't blame them. They've they don't really have the squad to to play. Nice football, um, uh, you got to play to your strengths, but just looking at the numbers, they've attempted the third most long balls in the Premier League, They're actually behind Liverpool, who are in second, and then Fulham's top, so that's, wow. that's kind of interesting. Um, they've attempted the most crosses in the Premier League out of anyone, so they just really do like to put in a lot a high wall yeah. in crosses. Uh, I, I think th- they don't complete all of the crosses as well. They're like, they only rank seven for completed crosses into the penalty area, which might be a bit of a surprise. So, you know, then they're, they're not that effective in that area. Um, what they are really good at as well is uh, they score a lot of rebounds. So they're really quick to react to chances. So yeah. um, there's a stat on FBRF, which measures like team scoring from shooting situations. So like one shot happening and then another shot happening and Luton actually have scored the most goals from those situations wow. in the Premier League. So that's something I think to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, um, they, they they tend to try. I've seen some of their goals have mm. shots from long range and then their strikers will try to react and and get goals in, in the penalty area. So I think if I was Konate or Van Dijk, I'd, I'd keep an eye on uh, the likes of Carlton Morris and, and players like that, because uh, that's something they're good at. And I think another thing that probably doesn't surprise you is that they've, they're have the f- fourth team who have scored the most goals from dead ball situations, only yeah. um, Walls, West Ham. Sorry, they're the fifth, only Walls, West Ham, and Ars- Arsenal and Tottenham have scored more from dead ball situations. Um Obviously, I think Arsenal and Tottenham rank quite high because they've had a lot of penalties, and penalties are yeah. included in that metric. But Wolves, West Ham, and Luton—most of their goals are coming from set pieces, so corners or free kicks. Um, not as many penalties. Um, yeah, and they've also won the most aerial duels in the Premier League. So, <laughs> again, another stat which kind of is aligned with with your analysis, um, but. Look, I think, you know, like they are a dangerous team and I, I yeah. right. like people tend to underestimate yeah. them. And I was looking at their numbers and uh, they haven't really been battered yet this season, mm-hmm. apart from the first two games of the season when Brighton and Chelsea beat them heavily by more than two goals. They haven't lost by more than two goals since uh, mm-hmm. all their games have been really tight. Um, most of their games against the big teams have been really tight as well, like long-goal margins. I think they're kind of well set up to to play against the bigger teams. And I think as well, like there's a misconception at the moment that they're better at home than away from home. And I was sort of looking at the last eight points that they've picked up this season and five of those have actually come away from home rather than at home Wow! so um I don't think we quite have the that security of like you know it was it was tough at their place but now we're at, well obviously Anfield is a, a huge yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean like they are still a threat away from home and I think people tend to underestimate that like there there is that common conception that they're really good at home whereas actually you no know, recently they've been quite a good away from home as well
2: it's interesting, isn't it? So, called it lazy analysis at the start of my question, but actually the stats with crosses and we even saw it against United, Dowerty, Ogbena, I think from the wings, put a lot of balls in there, his threats there, Carlton Morris. I can't remember his name, but they also have, I think, a six foot seven forward who's got quite a few goals as well. They're going to be looking for knockdowns, second balls, threats. And yeah, the other side of lazy analysis would be they'll get all their points at Kenilworth Road and you know they'll give up, but actually probably in a bad way at the same time. That is not the true story as well. I mean, they have been, as you mentioned, a bit unlucky. You think of all their games that we've seen this season, Luton. It's like United lost by a goal. Arsenal got a last-minute winner. Even City there only won 2-1, didn't they? It's been really tight. I mean, stats-wise... Have we got any real? Because it might be you're going to tell me we've not played Luton since. Before people bring up results and say we haven't won there for twelve years, I'm always intrigued when people do that when we haven't actually played them for twelve years. It feels a bit misleading in true context. But what are we talking stats-wise with Luton? Is there a history we can base anything on at all?
3: I couldn't. Obviously, there's not much of a history between the two yeah. teams. Like, uh, so I think it's just unfair to sort of judge anything on that but yeah I think for me I was mostly looking at recent times because I think uh, I'm just double checking but the last time we played Luton before um this season yeah it's like way like almost 15 years ago so it's hard yeah to, to, to sort of take any analysis from that uh but like I think if if i am correct they've i don't think they've ever won a game at anfield so um that's yeah uh they they've never won a game at anfield so it would be historic for them to to get a result and i think it would be the shock of the premier league really if if they no did doubt. get three points at anfield it, it should be a, a comfortable victory for liverpool it should be should be three points but it
2: should. Yeah. I mean, the
3: point I was trying to get across is like it's not going to be easy, obviously. Um, well, Luton will have had less of a rest, so that yeah, is in Liverpool's hands. The injuries obviously don't, but I think even so, even if without those key players, Liverpool should have more than enough. Um, and it helps when you've got Konate and Van Dyke who are two of the best players when it comes to winning aerial duels in the Premier League. So that sort of helps mitigate Luton's threat from set pieces and and from those situations. And, you know, if, if they're not fit or if something happens, you also got Kwanzaa who yeah. is, uh, again, I think if you look at uh, sort of under 25 players who've played at least 350 minutes, Kwanzaa is ranks Top for centre backs for aerial uh, dual success rate as well. So, um, yeah, you've got players there who, who can handle that threat. And I think, um, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool should win.
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with libertyshield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
2: Should win. Well, listen, we'll we'll take a stuffy 1-0 as long as no one's injured. That's the big thing. Wouldn't be surprised, like you said, for Jarrell Quanson to possibly come in. Also, because of the nature of everything that's going on, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Joe Gomez come in in some form for his tie as well. That would be of little surprise. After Luton. There's only the small matter of a cup final, Ben. And, I mean, Christ, it it just seems that whenever there's a domestic cup final, there's an unwritten law now that we're going to play Chelsea, isn't there? It was the nearly quadruple season. We played them twice. So the third visit in a row at Wembley that Chelsea are the opposition seems absolutely crazy. But hey-ho, it is what it is. I mean, the Carabao Cup final a couple of years ago, I Mean so much for I remember it was a nil nil. I was at that game, but Christ, so much happened more than anything for a, a nil nil. What were the key stats from the last time we played Chelsea in a Carabao Cup final? Yeah,
3: I think mean, it was a crazy game. Like I remember the XG, uh, which, which I just look back as well. Like um, so, Chelsea had an XG of two point zero in that game, in a nil nil game, and Liverpool had an XG of two point four zero. Wow. It is, on paper, I think it was one of the most entertaining sort of yeah. um, cup finals that ended at 0 0. Um, and then there was the added entertainment of the, the penalty shootout, which um, this was the final that went to sort of like 10, yeah. 10 11 players. Crazy. The FA Cup was less entertaining in the the shootouts anyway. Uh, but yeah, it, it had everything really. And obviously, Kelleher was the hero in that game and it looks like he's going to get the chance to be the hero again in, in this one as well so um yeah i mean even though it only happened 2 years ago it feels like the chelsea that we're facing now is completely different to yeah. the chelsea that we faced so, like at the time they were european champions weren't they or right. they had that squad and and um they they seemed a lot stronger than they are now Although I do think they've still got a lot of fret about them. Um historically as well, I've kind of found it interesting that we um, by the way, I'm not counting the Super Cup and the Community Shield as cup finals, but Fair in the, of the century, we've actually haven't beaten Chelsea in a cup final in open play. Wow. And every single time we've beaten them, it's been through penalty shootouts. Um <laughs> so um yeah and obviously there's been a few disappointments as well when we've lost but um most of the times we actually have won. it's just it's just happened through penalty shootouts rather than the other way around but I mean the most egregious one that still kind of lives in my memory is the 2011-2012 final at, at Wembley as well and um I'm still convinced, you know, if uh, VAR and if um Andy of technology it, yeah. existed, that that would have been a a, a cut final to remember for Liverpool because I think we were 2-0 down and that Carroll yeah. goal, which wasn't given as a goal, would have made it two all and then you know anything could have happened. You never know. We might have beaten them in a penalty shootout again as as we tend to do. Um but yeah, um it's um it's an interesting one. I think we we're playing them at an interesting time as well because it feels like they they've kind of got a little bit of confidence getting that draw at mm. City and uh, key players are coming back and Kunku, uh is is yeah. one of those who could be fit enough to start the final and I think he's he's a big threat because he was really good for Leipzig and the uh, the one thing that Chelsea struggle with this season is putting their chances away they they create a lot of chances but they they can't sort of finish and and kunku is that player who can put his chances away and he's going to be i think their their main threat if he starts
2: yeah it's a weird one chelsea that that like you say i mean i, I did a bit of digging on the stats and like they have had successes against us but you have to go back to rafa benitez's opening season 2005 when they won 3-2 in the carabao cup final an extra time but Obviously, that was the Istanbul year as well. So we well and truly no got revenge.
3: Way,
2: but <laughs> yeah, like like you mentioned as well, they had the 2011. The both times in a couple of years ago as well. But it seems to be, on paper, if it goes to extra time, doesn't suggest it's the worst thing for Liverpool, as many may think. I mean, threat-wise, because... You alluded to it, it's completely right. If we'd been talking about this game a couple of weeks ago, we'd have been, they've just lost to Wolves at home. These are hopeless, like Pochettino's probably about to be sacked any second. And now you fast forward a couple of weeks and you're thinking, well, we've got injuries galore, so that's the first thing. Chelsea, annoyingly, and I mean annoyingly, are just starting to find a bit of form, as you alluded to. They beat Palace, didn't they? 3-1. And they got a point at the Etihad and at the back that they played there so they're they're having a a better time unfortunately getting players back from injury and finding form who are their biggest threats stat wise though what do the stats tell us we need to be like keeping an eye on for Sunday
3: I mean it's it's a domino sword when you say annoyingly because I wasn't annoyed about the City result that they were getting back to form I I was expecting nothing from that game and I was quite pleased with the way Chelsea played then. But obviously, um, Nkunku, he's got very little stats in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, in the Bundesliga, he was the most productive player, both in terms of goals and assists, last season. And I think if he is fully fit to start this game, he's going to be their main threat. Um, Cole Palmer as well, he's yeah one of the most... Not- productive under 21 players but one of the most productive players overall in the Premier League so he's a threat as well and the stats kind of show as I said they've that their xg is among the top sort of two three teams in the Premier League right now they've created again top five for, for chances created in the Premier League so they create a lot of chances they just can't put them away. And away. they also concede a lot of goals. So for, for, I think it's they've scored maybe 41 goals, but they've conceded 40. Or it might be the other way around. It might be 41, for, for, 41 goals conceded and 40 goals scored or something like that. So um, like that is a lot for Chelsea to concede in this season, yeah. especially growing up. And I was accustomed to Jose Mourinho not even conceding 20 in a season the fact that they're Mm. already on 40 is huge and it is sort of like what a mid-table club would be at this point to the stage which is what they essentially are in the Premier League right now and based on their form and I think we saw that at Anfield as well like it wasn't a 4-1 game like there was a lot of that Chelsea had chances, but they just didn't yeah. away, especially early on in the game. And I think Liverpool just it got so much joy from how vulnerable they were defensively because they do leave a lot of gaps and they do leave a lot of spaces, and that worked in our favour and obviously worked in Conor Bradley's favour a lot of the times because he got so much space. And I think that's why I'm kind of yes, there's a lot of injuries. Yes, it's the cup final. Yes, Chelsea will be. Will turn up and they'll be better than they were at Anfield, and <clears throat> they've got key players coming back as well. But I don't know. I'm. I still think they will leave gaps for Liverpool to exploit. And as long as you have just one of Salah or Nunez, they they're going to get opportunities, and eventually they will take those opportunities as well. But even Diaz and Gap they'll they'll have chances, and and I think. Yeah, based on that, I'm not too worried. If anything, I'm more concerned about this Luton game, to be fair. I think it's got more potential being a banana skin just because, you know, it's midweek, it's it's in between a tough away fixture, which ended up not yeah. being so tough, but it's also ahead of a, a big final for Liverpool and you know, I don't know, sometimes weird things can happen in that period that you don't always expect.
2: I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean, the two games and we've got to separate them, but it does feel that if you win Luton by hook or by crook and there's no injuries, you go well into the Carabao Cup final. And who knows? You may, and I'm saying may, just have a few more players available. But all that is to come. Ben, as ever. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for the updates. You did absolutely zero to allay my fears around Luton and what they'll bring, but we will have to see. And next time we're talking as well, Ben, hopefully it's still top of the league and with another digit on the trophy wall. So all it leaves me to say, mate, is thanks as ever for the insight and the stats. Much appreciated.
3: Yeah, enjoyed it. Uh, And sorry, apologies about Luton. And, uh, you know, not getting your hopes up. But um, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, next week we'll be back talking about the Cup win and Liverpool still very much on top of the Premier League and on course for the title as well.
2: With a few players back, that is all you can ask for as well. So ladies and gents, for another week, that was Stat Me Up at Anfield Index.